Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. This podcast presents the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to tabletop game design. This episode has been made possible thanks to the excellent folks behind Breakout Con 2017 in Toronto, Ontario. Episode 115 Sex and Romance in RPGs Recorded at BreakoCon 2017 Presented by Mo Turkington Jack Lindrick And Alex Roberts Moderated by Emily Griggs So this is the Sex and Romance in RPGs panel If you're in the wrong room, this is a good time to leave uh, <laughs> We're going to be talking about builders. <laughs> um, I'm going to be moderating, and these three lovely, super qualified people are going to be talking. So first off, I'm going to go just let them go down the table and introduce themselves. Can we start with Mo? Because Mo's awesome. Can I pretend to be Emily Carabas since she was no, the no. Emily, Emily, Emily Carabas is here. And here. Emily Carabas is here, and she's uh, unfortunately very sick. So if you signed up specifically for Emily Carabas's uh, uh, magnanimous wondrousness. Then you're and you weren't interested in us. Uh, then you can go to and we won't be offended because Emily's awesome. Uh, but Emily's really sick, so I'm standing in for Emily today. Uh, my name is Moira Turkington or Mo. I am the curator of the Warbirds Collection, which is a collection of uh, uh, larks about women in World War II. Um, and I run a design house called Unruly Designs because uh, um, I'm really woman. Uh, <laughs> uh, rarely make history. Um, Anyway, uh, and I am in primarily a LARP designer, but I also do tabletop forms, and I play all sorts of games. Uh, Mo has just made herself sound like a publisher of other people's games, which she is, but she's also like a designer and has won multiple awards for her scenarios. Yes. And Mo is super great. Yeah, Mo's quite accomplished, uh, as well as a theorist. Um, I'm Alex Roberts. Primarily, I would guess, know me from the Backstory podcast on the One Shot Network. Um, uh, but I do also make games. I'm currently making a two-player game called Tension that uses a Jenga tower to represent unresolved romantic and sexual attraction. Uh, and If you ever get a chance to play it, you totally should. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so that will be available, I don't know, within a year probably. We'll see. Uh, my name is Jacqueline Brick. I am a staff writer for Damocles Thread Development. Um, I also freelance for Onyx Path Publishing, Home Gas AB, and a couple of other companies. Um, I'm primarily a LARP designer, though I do work in tabletop, and I recently won an award uh, for my game The Porch, which you'll actually, if is on schedule later today for Breakout, uh, and it's a game about teenagers in the South who all have extremely emotionally vulnerable questions that they want to ask each other, but since they're teenagers in the South, they really have no way to deal with that. So it's it's sort of a game about, you know, friendship and attraction and not being able to act on that. And awesome. Emily, uh, you should introduce yourself. Uh, my name's Emily. I got invited to this panel. I got a little confused because I'm super asexual, so I'll be your ace moderator for the Sex and Romance <laughs> panel. Uh, I'm also... <laughs> a uh, game writer and occasionally a game illustrator. Uh, 
One final nice note, let's all avoid touching the table so that Jason's recording will be as nice and clear yeah. as possible. I'll do my, my best. best. Well, I may slap some no, hands. Is Jason. Can, I, can I say that it's awesome that all three of us have attraction games on the schedule? Later yeah. yeah, it's true, yeah. Yes. If you want to taste, uh, want they're probably to. full. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can always come ask us about them. There you go. Please do. Um, so I'm going to go over some general topics that we've kind of already talked about um, online before. And then at the end, if we've got a bit of extra time, I'll open the floor up to some specific questions. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm going to get started with the first topic, which is where do you get started in designing a game that's going to feature a topic like sex or romance? And kind of specifically, how is the design process different than designing just any game? And I throw that open. Um, I think, as with any game, the best the best place to start is know where your conflict is. Um, even if you are having a cute sort of like pastoral game about romance or a game where everything goes well and everything turns out well, you have to know what wrench you're throwing into the player's plans. Like, you can't just have a game where, oh, okay, well, these two characters fall in love instantly and they get married and they have 20, you know, they get married and they have 2.5 kids in a house and with a picket fence. You, you know, what, you know, what is, what's the issue? Why... Why is the picket fence not what it seemed? Why, are, why is their attraction maybe to their idea of the person and not to the person themselves? So it is, it is very similar to writing another type of game, but it's also very different in that the focus is different. I really, really agree with what Jack said about the conflict. Um, uh, Tension is a game about, pe- uh, about characters who really, really want to, but really, really can't. And... I've found that the game is very pleasant and very short and kind of completely flat if people are not very, very attached, if players are not attached to that second part. If they don't come up with a reason why it's really important to them or they feel really conflicted about their character acting on their feelings, then the game just has no weight to it. There's there's nothing there. Um, I, I agree that that's a phenomenal place to design. I don't think it's the only place oh, to design sure. either. Good, good. Um, so Lumber Jones, which is on the schedule later tonight, is a game about uh, women in uh, England who are not necessarily um, beauty typical, who are going to the north of Scotland to become lumberjills, cut down trees uh, in service for the war effort, and uh, discover capacity in their bodies and their desirability uh, in dances uh, at night. Um, and it is a non-conflict game. I mean, there are conflicts that are introduced by the participants sometimes, and people really enjoy them, and they can become quite fruitful. Uh, but in fact, it's quite intentionally a everybody's desire, everybody's supporting you in the course of the game is there to make you feel desired and loved. Um, and, uh, and so where I think I came to is sex and romance never stand on their own. They are reflections of conflicts. Mm. They are reflections of personal development. Mm. And so it, so the conflict in Lumberjill is if there is one, uh, and we could debate about whether or not it's a conflict, is who am I going to be? Um, and who am I going to be in reflection of the people that I choose to be with? I would actually totally argue that 
But it's a conflict in that this is. case. <laughs> and that's well, what because, I said. Because the, conflict, because the conflict is with yourself because, you know, mm-hmm. you're starting to think of yourself as not desirable and then there are these people who are coming in mm-hmm. and making you feel desirable and how do you react to that, mm-hmm. right? If you've been trained all your life to not think of yourself as desirable or lovable mm-hmm. or someone people could be interested in and then all of a sudden all these people who are like, oh, I'm so in love with you, know, yeah. <laughs> there's going to be some cognitive mm-hmm. dissonance. Yeah. So. It's meant to be a transformational yeah. game, but there's no actual conflict involved in the game. No, definitely. Matter. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it all starts in humanity, is where I, I think I put it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. And also, um, I really agree with what you say about romance and attraction. It, it needs to be, uh, well, I don't know, it needs to be, but it, when it can be about something else mm-hmm. and about something bigger, I think mm-hmm. it, fe- it resonates with people a lot better. Um, I'm going to recommend a lot of games over the course of this panel. Yeah. Uh, and if you can go and play any of the games by Caitlin Bell, a lot of her yes. games are about sex and sexuality. And uh, she has this game about a wizard orgy called... Oh, uh, sex in the Fence. Orgy in the Fence. Orgy in the Fence, yeah, yeah. And it's about these like wizards who are about to leave wizard school, and so they, they decide to have this like farewell orgy in the Glen. And it's this like very sweet, like like very sort of charming game where like everyone's just like delighted to be there and like who are they gonna connect with and it's gonna be awesome. But it's not just about like they're doing it. They're that is an expression of that relationship and that's how you figure out what has their relationship been. And also what is their vision of themselves and like what is their vision for the future. There's a way to to investigate those questions through how do these people hook up. It's actually really interesting because um, that game that Alex mentioned um, doesn't have a character creation mechanic. All of the character creation is done through the orgy. So you start with a name, you start, you know, with a general idea of like, oh, you know, maybe I was an A, you know, maybe I was an A student or maybe I was a troublemaker. You start with a very vague idea of your character and as you go through this game, you find out, you know, who you are and who you connected with and what your school experience was like. So we got a lot on sort of conflict, and mm-hmm. especially with you guys, have conflicts of why you can't do something. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys find, I mean, I'm going to be sort of assuming that the traditional game is sort of where the history of the hobby comes from, is something where the main conflict is going to be sort of physical, mm-hmm. um, whereas in games that are featuring sex and romance heavily, the conflict tends to be more emotional. Um, do you guys find, I was getting the impression from, especially you guys answering before you jumped in, that a lot of the time that makes the games has has the capacity to make the games very bleak or very emotionally draining. Do you guys find that something that comes up a lot, or is it something you have to design around? Or uh, I, I think most of the games that I can think of that have to do with romance are the opposite of, of bleak. Um, although, I will also mention another game by, by Caitlin Bell called Bugfuck, which is about a bunch of bugs... Um, who uh, bugs don't live very long, right? They kind of just like turn into bugs and then they have sex and then they die. And so the game is about that, like finding someone. And so it's this game about like desperation and mortality, uh, but also about bug sex. Uh, <laughs> and, and bugs have some frightening ways oh, yeah. Of, yeah. of doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny actually because structurally very, it seems very similar to Orgy in the Fence, but it's about a completely different thing. So it, it can be that. It can. I would actually argue that Monster Hearts is also it, super bleak a lot of the good time. Point. Yeah. Because it's a bunch. For those of you who aren't familiar, is anyone in this room not familiar with Monster Hearts? 
No? Okay. I don't have no, to... Got one little, but... All right. Uh, essentially, you're teenage vampires or werewolves having to contend with the human world, and it gets really emotionally intense really fast, because most of the moves... It's an apocalypse world-based game, and most of the moves are based on sex and attraction and causing a partner to like or dislike you or like or dislike someone else or... And for the sake of your recording, it's a Powered by the Apocalypse game by the phenomenal... Uh, Avery Elder, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. For the folks at home. Um, I, so Bleak's a funny thing for me in interfacing with design and with, with games in general. So um, most of my games, whether they contain sex and romance or not, are, are emotional games, and they can be intense emotional games. And I often say um, uh, it's hard to call a lot of the games I design or play fun, though they are good and interesting and thought-provoking. And I tend to use the word Larchmerz for like uh, the enjoyable pain <laughs> of a game. And could so, you, could you explain Larchmerz? Larchmerz, it's like it's like the German uh, hybrid words Weltschmerz, which is like weird world weariness. Uh, it is um, a feeling that you have this pervasive feeling that comes after examining your place in the world and how it hasn't quite turned out the way you wanted it to be. Uh, LARP is the engagement, the post-engagement bleed of, I feel like I really had this powerful experience that I really approve of, um, but could not by any means be called fun. Um, I know a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, large shorts is what I call it. And so in my experience, and I'm a weird player, so this may be only my experience, is that Games aren't bleak if you're intensely emotionally engaged in them. That bleak is like an ennui thing. Bleak is like I don't care thing. Mm. Or uh, bleak is that it's uh, I care, but it's falling apart. And in the world, this is the way the world ends, not with man, but a whimper. Um, uh, and so most of the games that have sex and romance in them are supercharged emotionally for me. So they don't feel bleak at all. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, which actually leads into another point we are interested in talking about, which is... If you're designing a game that's very, say, romance-heavy or sex-heavy or relationship-heavy, mm -hmm. um, how do you address players who might not be interested in that kind of topic? And to what degree, especially with very specific games, sort of, to what degree do you just say that as a design decision they're not going to be involved in this game, or are there ways to bring people who might not be interested in a romance story in? Or how do you address players who just aren't interested in romance as part of their storytelling experience? A question that I get a lot uh, when we talk about this topic is a question from GMs um, saying, I really want to either play this kind of game or have this kind of content in the game I'm already in, uh, but, I'm, but I'm not sure if my players are into it or like how can I get my players, uh, sort of, how can I sort of entice them into it? And, uh, and I've decided that my, my answer is don't. Don't do that. Um, I think like if... I, I believe in an enthusiastic consent mm -hmm. in most aspects of life, certainly at the gaming table, certainly when sex is involved. And, like, there's so many amazing games out there. There's lots of fun games to play. And, uh, like, I think if players are genuinely just not involved in exploring that, then, like, like just don't push it, man. That's kind of shitty, actually. <laughs> Well, Alex, Alex and I actually had a conversation about this a couple months ago, um, and yeah, the, the the decision we came to is some players are just not going to be engaged in what you're running, and if players aren't engaged, and you know, if you've taken them aside and been like, "Hey, are you having fun? What can I do?" and the answer is, "Well, you know, I'm not really engaged in this particular aspect," don't push them into it. Yeah, because that's not what they want. The game, gaming, 
something we tend to lose sight of actually as designers and as people who are into very emotional experiences is even if a game isn't fun, like Mo said, um, a game should be something you you have been glad to experience. <laughs> and if you are not happy that you experienced a game, then you didn't have fun, and then you don't want to play that game again. Or possibly any game again. Possibly, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Ga- gaming isn't a... Well, for some of us it is, but gaming isn't a job. <laughs> <laughs> but playing a game isn't a job. If yeah. you are there and you're not having fun and you're just there because it's a habit or because you feel you need to be, then you're not gaming anymore. I also think we in North America are particularly sensitive around sexualized content mm-hmm. or, or even romance content or vulnerable mm-hmm. content in games. And I always kind of find it, I think it's one of, there's no panel that exists on sex and romance and RPGs that shouldn't contain the question, why are we so comfortable with murder and genocide, but not comfortable with love and romance and sex? Um, and I think that we have to re-examine our defaults sometimes, and that um, approaching those games are the same way we approach other places in our lives that have to do with romance and sex. So, like, if it's going to have mandatory sexualized comment, content, then just like you would rate a movie higher, you not necessarily you restrict people coming in, but you let people know that they're going to opt into it. And that if they don't like it, they should opt out of it. And, and uh, you only come to a consensual experience. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's a good thing to introduce at the beginning of the game, like, to reinforce. Like, we actually meant it in the, in the announcement that we were going to have sex in this game. Uh, and it's good. And then to really build, like, there's some games out there that examine notions of consent. They've done some really interesting design work around how do we start having those conversations. I think dude who is trying to figure out whether or not he can bring a game to his players mm-hmm. that has sex in it. It's like, if you can't have, and I think it's a rule of thumb, if you can't have a conversation about whether or not we want sex in games, then maybe your games shouldn't involve sex, because... Yeah. So, um, let's address the GM who wants mm-hmm. to incorporate sex into their games, or romance into their games. And let's say for this example, the players are willing, they're interested, but none of them... They're not playing a game that's specifically about sex or romance. They're Mm -hmm. playing some other system where it's possible, but it's not Mm -hmm. um, emphasized by the mechanics. Do you guys have advice for how you'd tell that GM to start incorporating this in a way that everyone's going to enjoy and that's going to be safe for everyone? I I would say, you know, keep keep in mind, you know, whatever, whatever system you're playing, the mechanics that it has are what it's designed to do well. So the further that you stray from that, it's gonna. It doesn't mean it's gonna be a terrible game, but you're gonna struggle, right? Mm-hmm. So think about that, um, and and consider using a system that is designed to tell that kind of story or designed to engage with that kind of content. Um, by which I mean has mechanics for that kind of content. Um, but you know, if you're playing something and you just like wanna incorporate that kind of stuff, it's the same way that you would incorporate any other storyline. If you wanna have. Uh, you know, a Romeo and Juliet forbidden love thing going on in your campaign, or you want to have a, uh, these two characters pretend to be married for espionage reasons and then fall in love with each other's stuff, or any of those other kinds of tropes, like, again, you incorporate, like, like Mo was saying, you incorporate that content the same way you incorporate any other content, which is to say, you toss it out there, if your players are super down, then you keep going and you do it more. <laughs> I don't know. All the other GM rules apply. Um, I'm actually going to address the safety part of mm-hmm. your question. Um, safety mechanics are important in games. This is just something I 
believe every every game I run has a safety mechanic. Um, Breakout was nice enough to provide an X card for me. Normally what I use is uh, safety signals, which were designed by Jay Silvano and Games Together. I think I think you've seen the sa- you both have seen the safety signals before. Are we talking? I'm, I'm talking about the stoplights that Jay. Stoplights, those are joy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who don't know uh, the safety signals that uh, Jay designed, it's actually an opt-in system instead of an opt-out system. Um, it's three colored dots, uh, green, yellow, and red. And if you want the intensity of the scene to ramp up, you hit the green button. If you want the intensity of the scene to stay at the level it is. You hit the yellow button, and if you if you need the scene to you know stop, or you're feeling really uncomfortable and you need to take a breather, you hit the red button. Um, you can also ask with this system, like you can if you're if you're running the scene, if you're the GM, or if you're involved in the scene, and you you're asking if it's okay for the scene to get a little more intense, you tap the green button repeatedly, and then the other person can respond by tapping green or yellow or red. Um, and having signals like this really allows for the players in the GM to communicate without breaking the flow of the game. And it's perfectly okay to just have your safety system be the, the player going, look, I'm really uncomfortable with what's going on right now. I need this to stop. You don't, you don't, have, you don't necessarily have to have signals. Um, I find signals are more useful because it doesn't put the onus on the person who is being uncomfortable to actually say, hey, I'm uncomfortable. It's just a physical motion that you can just throw out there and it doesn't break flow and it doesn't, you know cause other people to resent you and really if you have it integrated into this into your table it's less about oh well this person ruined the scene because they couldn't handle it and more okay we need to support this person because this person is yeah. uncomfortable and like what most said um we have this thing in north america we have these taboos about sex and romance in north america and if you're playing at you know if you're playing a romantic game with players who maybe haven't played one before it can get really uncomfortable really fast so having that safety net for your players is super important and whatever your either safety mechanic or content management mechanic is there are some good ones out there have mm-hmm. something right and that's like i actually i almost kind of uh i'm almost kind of annoyed that this is the conversation we always need to have around sex when yeah. at, like i've been at the table so upset by really like horrific violent things that have been happening um but but i get asked about it because i want to talk about love yeah. <laughs> and tenderness <laughs> and sweetness yeah. um but but i but at the same time like i do understand like it can be super triggering for folks um or uncomfortable or or difficult um, so whether you're using an X card or you're using a script change or something, letting your players know, hey, here's the quickest and easiest way for you to tell me, back up or slow down or rewind or fade to black or, uh, or press, press the gas pedal, tell me more. <laughs> Whatever it is, like you definitely, definitely, everyone at the table or, or in the in the LARP space should be enabling each other to make those kinds of content uh, changes. And then I think I would uh, dive into my 30-second rant that is around, that is not, uh, that is in, in no way contradicts anything that has just been said, but that no safety mechanic is ever going to complete, completely create a safe game, that uh, part of building a conversation, we are, we are trained by our culture not to talk about sex openly, not to feel good about it, and to feel shamed by what we feel, and so it is a trigger zone, right? It's a place that's soft or hard, doesn't matter, like, it, it, could, it could just make you feel weird, or it could make you feel traumatic, um, and so it means that the games sometimes will go a little sideways, and that part of 
uh, developing a community of culture around it. So once a safety mechanic has or has been missed or whatever, there's also you know stuff that trips over and the commitment to if you're going to run games that have some content that could cause problems to start to develop communities that catch people when things go sideways even though the best safety mechanics are in place because they can't catch everything we're all different people coming in network space. Um, this is actually extremely sorry oh I was just going to say I really liked your point that all the stuff we're talking about here well as you say society tends to mean that this is more necessary for a wider number of people mm -hmm. around a sex or romance topic they're definitely the same kinds of techniques that you could use to apply to other sensitive areas in a game. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the probably most traumatic games I ever played was by, again, Jay Silvano. Uh, it's a game called Seasoning, um, which is specifically about sex trafficking. And she had, like, three different safety mechanics in place, but at the end of the uh, warm-up, her statement was, okay, I know we went through all of these rules, but if you, if I notice you breaking the social contract and deliberately attempting to hurt people outside of the space of this game, I will ask you to leave. You are just, if, if you are going to turn this game into, if you are going to turn this game into a sledgehammer, I will politely ask you to leave, because that is not what we're here for. And just having a statement of, okay, if you can't play with the big kids, you're out, is re I think really important as well. I, I just, I think, I, I, I don't know. To, to me, it seems so obvious that I, I, I wouldn't want to game with people who I wasn't also caring for and caring about. Um, so I feel like we're getting sidetracked in this I, I a lot of say, time. But I, I would like to, I would kind of like to refocus and say, yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> it is a place where, we, I, I, no, there's nothing bad said. Uh, that this is a place where it can be hard, but it's also a place where it can be so freaking transformative. Yeah, right? yes. we, because we exist in that culture, because we don't talk about it, because we're ashamed when we do talk about it, playing in it in a supportive community can be revolutionary yes, to the players. Yes. Right? So moving out about how to do this positively, um, what are some techniques or mechanics you've used to sort of portray sex at the table? Because it's obviously not something where you can... There's are, we, are we only talking about Sex, at the romance, table at this point? Um, <laughs> stick to the, well, LARPs at the, the metaphorical table, which is in fact a room. Because ours is okay. one day I want to talk uh, about. Well, yeah, no, we there's, there's a whole bunch of LARP sex mechanics that are separate, yeah. so do we want to tackle let's, RPG first? Yeah, let's some of your okay. favorites, some of the ones that are, some of your favorites and why you think they're useful or why you think they should be applied to certain systems. So not just the mechanics that you can possibly use, but sort of why you would choose to use those mechanics. Okay. okay. Um... Uh, I can name off a bunch of systems that are specifically uh, often very uh, focused designed to tell a story about uh, intimate relationship. Um, uh, you know, games like Breaking the Ice and Shooting the Moon are ones that you probably know, and those are, every, every aspect of a game like that is designed to tell a story about people who are engaging with romantic feelings for each other and, and probably sexual attraction for each other. It might not go well or it might not end well or whatever, but that is the focus of it. So earlier when I was saying shoehorning this kind of content into a different game can work and it can be fun, it can be rad, um, but choosing a system that, uh, that you know, the cover art is is big heart and people having a good time on it, you know what I mean? Like the, you, 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 There are lots and lots of systems like that that are designed to do that. And uh, for posterity and the people at home, uh, shooting the moon under my skin, uh, uh, breaking the ice, or Emily Care Boss game. ECB, shut up. Yeah. Hey. 
Everybody say hi to Emily's ghost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I, well, I think there's plenty of, I mean, romance is often easier to approach just because there's less negotiation that happens at a table, though not none. Um, uh, from a mechanics perspective, I think uh, I've always loved the Monster Heart sex mechanics, uh, mm-hmm. which are actually kind of slightly transgressive in a, mm-hmm. in a delightful way, if I can say that. Uh, which are, they illuminate the ways in which sexual attraction is not always a pleasant experience or a expected experience and lead you to unusual places, especially when you are, the Monster Hearts is specifically in high school age, when you're still developing your own understanding of your uh, sexuality, how sometimes something goes sideways and you all of a sudden go, whoa, I'm attracted to that person and they're my same gender, or uh, or something like that. And so, um, in Monster Hearts, Avery has put in a, a turn someone on mechanic where you roll the dice when it, it doesn't actually have to be an expressive sexual thing. In fact, my my favorite moments in Monster Hearts games are when. Uh, we're in the locker room talking and I pull my shirt off and we're just like I, it's not actually, a, I'm not making a move on you, it's just a normal day and all of a sudden I've rolled to turn you on and there's uh, not rolled to be turn, it's not rolled to turn you on sorry I did that entirely wrong with Power by the Poplins games uh, roll, no it is turn yeah, it, okay, it, sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's usually reactive turn. right yeah. um, roll to turn somebody on and then all of a sudden you're confronted, you get to choose how you react to it but it challenges your notion, it queers the game, right? It, it challenges your notion of attraction and how it works and how your body sometimes works independently or your mind, you're all of a sudden going, oh, uh, I suppress that, or oh, I go with it, or oh, I think about it really hard and obsess about it for the next five games. Um, <laughs> I love it because it's an unexpected, challenging thing, but it also doesn't necessarily result in a hot, sweaty sex scene or something like that. It can be a slow burn over a course of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to talk about games where you don't have sex as a mechanic because um, I have done uh, games where maybe the players weren't expressly interested in sex and, uh, sex and romance but over the course of time started like developing feelings for NPCs or maybe started developing feelings for other player characters and the easiest way to do that with a group who is maybe new to very emotional role playing is the fade to black which is what Alex explained earlier, is so you sort of establish that these characters are going to go have sex, are going to go make out, and then you just decide that you're fading to black. And then you can react after the fade to black as though something happened, and that's usually a really great way to establish how your characters now feel about each other and, you know, where they're going with their relationship. And it's a really, it's a really quick shorthand for, and then they bone. <laughs> and to the fireplace. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting... Um, so in, uh, in Apocalypse World and Monster Hearts and, and probably lots of other Powered by the Apocalypse games, although I can't think of any off the top of my head, um, there is a sex move, right? So there is a move that starts, you know, when your character has sex. Oh, Bluebird's Bride has sex moves. Oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. Talk about Bluebird's Bride after, because I haven't played in a long time. Okay. I played a very early version. Um, so, uh, so when your character has sex, this thing happens. So it's a really interesting mechanic because... Uh, in Apocalypse World, it's really all... It, it tells you so much about that character, how they change after they've had sex with someone. Um, what about what about the relationship changes, or what is their reaction when they when they get really vulnerable with someone in that way? Um, and so it's, it's mechanically significant, and it introduces sex as an option at, very cleverly to say, like, this is something that could be a part of the story you guys are going to tell. 
But also, it's an inherent and, and almost automatic fade to black. It very strongly encourages you, uh, perhaps accidentally, to actually not detail sex. Yep. Because the sex move isn't what happens, it's what happens after. Um, so that's interesting to me. Uh, I think the, the, the fade to black or the off screen or the pan to, pan to the fireplace is... Um, it, sometimes I think it's a shame because I think how two people interact uh, could be so meaningful and express so much. And when we talk about LARP mechanics later, we'll get into that. Um, uh, so I, I think, I think in, in a way it's unfortunate because there's richness there that, that we're leaving and we're not engaging with. However, I think we also have to recognize the reality that a lot of role-playing games are... The mechanics involve uh, attempting to obtain something and then being told whether or not you obtained it based on both luck and skill. And if that is the dynamic that you are consistently engaging with everything in that game in, I don't think sex has a place there mechanically. Can I, like, up the table on that? Like, no, let's do it. It is, like, recorded. Like, many, sorry, Alex. There are yeah. many, like, games, games are, are built, many of our games are built on an old cultural legacy of how do I attempt to kill and reduce a you. A conquest, yeah. And, and, and those... Those evolving change for the goals that we're doing, but there's lots of conquest involved in romance mechanics in a lot of games that are sometimes really inherently unhealthy mm-hmm. and and sometimes really scary. And I can understand why. I think we also, on a gut level, kind of get that that mm-hmm. our games are about conquest, our games are about conflict and overcoming the other person. And so, why would I put sex into that? It'll make me a predatory yeah. rapist or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Right? Your your charm spell is. Yeah. Mm, let's not. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I can let you guys jump back into LARP mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> but your point about Monster Hearts brought up a question that okay. I really wanted to ask, which is I've run into a lot of games where sex and romance are a major feature, where through moves like turn someone on or other similar things, it is assumed that every single character in the game is going to be turned on by something. And as an asexual person, Oof. that usually tends to lead me to meaning that I cannot play someone like myself yep. in the game. I'm so, so, I, I, I'm, I was so excited for this question. <laughs> is, is that the because I want to answer. How do you? It's something that the Monster Hearts developers are actually working on very hard for Second Edition, and it's very difficult in a game where sexuality can also be used as a sort of weapon or as a as a tool to get yourself forward. Asexual characters can be overpowered, um, or can end up just not interacting with a large number of the mechanics. So I guess just how do you do? You have any thoughts on handling that? I think it's going to be actually a very difficult design question. But uh. so I got to play uh, a sneak preview of the second edition of Monster Hearts. And uh, so when I first encountered Monster Hearts, I fell in love that, with that mechanic that you described earlier um, because I was thinking like, haha, these straight players are going to engage with this and be like, I'm making a straight character. And then they, their character ends up attracting, attracted to someone who they didn't expect. Haha, they will experience this cool thing that then maybe they will like understand my experience a little bit um, as, a, as a queer person. But then, you know, uh, then speaking to asexual folks and also to, like, you know, uh, speaking to lesbians who've had the experience of people saying, well, if you just met the right man. Yeah. yeah. Or, right? or speaking to well, speaking the very other queer folks, too, who are like, okay, this is a little rapey. Well, well, I think that's actually a separate. I okay. think that's actually a separate issue. But, but the idea of like, well, you know, it's all very fluid and stuff. And well, for some folks, it's not fluid actually. <laughs> so for some some um, some folks, it's not. So what's interesting mechanically in the second edition uh, is 
there is now a separate thing that you can do if your character is not attracted to that person. So they still engage with the move, but what you do in response is different, and it uses... I forget what all the base moves are in uh, Monster Hearts, but one of them is shutting someone down. And Mm -hmm. so the other person can roll to turn someone on, uh, but then it engages the shutting someone down rule from the other character. So it's a way of, like, yes, you can do that, but what you will actually accomplish by doing that, it will be different. Um, And... Uh, and I really like that um, because, again, it, it does put a certain amount of power back into the other, um, uh, back into the, uh, into the other character, um, while at the same time, like not compromising. Like these, this power dynamic is still going to be engaged with, but you have this option to be like, hmm, nice try. Yeah, you have the option to play defense, essentially. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So with defense it's also coming with its own problems. Cause right. Not being attracted to someone you've been told you're supposed to be attracted to right. can have its own emotional. Yes, yeah, and, exactly. and so here's the thing: is that I think that games that are about romance and or that involve romance and attraction and sex, I don't think that an asexual character doesn't have a place there. To me, that's so interesting because then you end up with this question of like uh, this person is in love with me and they're really great and everything but like uh, I can't or you're like I really you know I'm enjoying this but there's this or like I'm struggling with the fact that people are not respecting this or I'm uh, or I'm building this relationship with someone and it's more complicated or it's different differently kind of complicated but like it's not like asexual folks don't engage with the concept of sexuality because it's all around them. There's all kinds of pressures on them. So, like, I I encourage you to engage with that and play with that and see what that looks like. Also, there, there, I, I thank you, actually, for bringing it up because it's not something I'd ever really considered before. Um, I think there is some room in the... Like, I haven't gone through the second edition mm-hmm. yet, but I think there was some room in the first one because you always got to choose how that what that what that responded to you as. And I think that there's some great opportunity, I've seen in games, some great opportunity to queer games in a different way, not just in the like, it's the same sex person, yeah. so therefore, but also in a, you turn me on, you successfully do that, I now have this really big intellectual crush on you, uh, which is not a romantic thing even necessarily, which is not necessarily, like it, it started to introduce in a number of games that I played, these sex and romance and attraction and those kind of things, those are not one thing. And there, there you can be a person never interested in sex who likes to fall in love. And you can be a person who doesn't like either. And you can be a per- like, and so always having the ability to define how it manifested in me allowed for a difference of opinion. So I think there's some of that in there, but yeah, I can understand how it totally is not something that was obvious yeah. or accessible. And yeah, I think I think it's due to, to be called out, and I think yeah. that's something it, that Avery's working really hard it's on. It's actually really interesting, because you, you mentioned uh, earlier this sort of conquest thing, and when I introduced uh, Monster Hearts to a group of my friends who were very into like OSR games and D&D and very into tactical games, they looked at this and went, okay, so this is a non-consensual sex simulator, like... And I had to I had to explain that it wasn't and I get I get how it could come across like that if this is the first way you're introducing sex or romance to someone in games, but I also really liked what Mo said, how you could pick how you reacted, because there is that option to give someone a string on you. So you could do sort of a oh, you know, like you said, this person is really nice, 
and they're really wonderful. Well, but... no, it, it can still be. A, I feel really strongly um, that Monster Hearts is not about. Not oh, cons- like like I feel really strongly I, about I only, that. I agree. I agree with that. But I'm. I was mentioning. I was bringing this up because mm-hmm. earlier what you had said was you know this view of sex as a you know a conquest thing mm-hmm. in other games and how. If you come to a game like Monster Hearts without any without any experience or without any explanation about what the game is supposed to do, then you can sort of again view it like a tactical build, mm-hmm. and it becomes really important for whoever's running the game, whoever's introducing you to the game, to go like, okay, this is a different play style. Which brings us back to the very beginning of the conversation where we talked about how setting it up and making Yay. sure everybody understood. Yeah. Yes. yes. And, uh, sorry. I didn't oh no no no. That's okay. I was I was gonna get all, all defensive. No, no no no. But I'm glad that we're all in agreement that like, um, I there are people who have said that sex doesn't have a place in games, and I'm realizing that, um, if, uh, if you mean tactical games, oh my goodness, yes, of course, yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> probably we are in, we are in absolute agreement. Also, not really legit. Sex has no place in my game. Is yeah yeah. It's like this yeah. is not a game about sex. Yeah. It's not going to be there. Great, rad, like, sure. Like, there's all kinds of art. There's like also that a place too. where sex is the only thing that is in my game. Yeah. <laughs> and that's um, okay. You mentioned you wanted to talk a bit about LARP mechanics. Yes. <laughs> so, the, the tabletop, even the games that are the absolute sexiest, I'm talking like Shelter, you know, the game about a pilgrim searching for their lost love where um, you trade back and forth the GM role and the GM is uh, the the player closes their eyes and the GM touches them. Um, or a game like 183 Days where you the part of the setup is staring into each other's eyes for two minutes. Um, there's all these beautiful, beautiful games. But even then, you, players don't really mechanically have sex. In LARP, however, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they do. Mo, do you want to start? Oh, I, I'd probably start in the deep end. I'm not sure if I'm the Can I start with Arzamandi? Really yeah. like sure, yeah, we can start with Arzamandi. Okay, so like three years ago, I was introduced to this LARP technique called Arzamandi. And at the time, I jokingly referred to it as arm fucking. Um, but the experience once I actually got into it was really intimate, like surprisingly intimate. Like we had to have a cool down. Yeah. Um, so the idea behind Arzamandi is you're actually, the players start with their hands on top of each other. So we want to demonstrate yeah, why sure. you okay. Sorry, podcaster. Sorry for the podcaster people. So they start with their hands touching each other, and this is sort of the initiation of sex. And as you as you start, you gently start touching each other's hands, or <laughs> intensely touching each other's hands. And you can move up the arms or across the shoulders um, you can also move your feet. When I did when I did this in a uh, workshop, uh, my partner and I actually wound up sort of doing this weird swing dance combo uh-huh. with the Arzamandi uh-huh. moves. Uh, it's okay. So we laughed a lot during the workshop, but it, it takes time to uh, learn it and get into it, which is why yeah. games that use Arzamandi usually have an Arzamandi workshop, so it allows you to get into this very intimate head Yeah, you, you won't just be tossed into a game where people are doing yeah. this and you'll yeah. be expected to do it. There's a long workshop where you do it, you keep, you laugh, you keep laughing, you do it yeah. and you're not laughing anymore, and then, then you use it expressively. But yeah. but you'd be surprised how expressive so, it can be. Like, like, give us a character prompt. Like, all right, can I give you a couple? Sure, We're yeah, actually yeah. running pretty low, so if you oh, guys want to talk more about this, we've got like five minutes. So. All right, well, can we do like two 30-second ones? Because I have yeah. some. Yeah. So, okay, so let's do like a really sweet, nervous first one. Oh, so like we've never, and we've we've known each other for a really long time, and we just confessed our love to each other, and um, and so we're sort of 
you know, ever so hesitantly. Uh, and then, you know, five minutes from now, we'll be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? Um, or then we, uh, I was in a game where we were, oh my God, our characters were both in love with other people and it was completely unrequited. And so we had this moment alone on the beach where we were talking about how much we were in love with the, this other people and we were like so miserable. They were getting married. We were never going to be together. And five minutes later, we were having this just completely like furtive, like... Oh, and you fuck like, me away from the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's really like it's a it's a phenomenal game specifically for anything that's like uh, metaphorical like that. Yeah. But also like it fosters such intimacy. So it really for does. a romance Very mechanic. Strong. Because well, the, the thing yeah. the thing that's nice about it is is you can uh, you notice how they were sitting really close during this. You can also if you're having really awkward cold sex, like yeah. uh, you can just sort of <laughs> when, it's, it's Tuesday night. Socks on. Yeah. Also, the nice thing about Arzamani is um, okay. Nice thing. Um, Jay actually considered using it in seasoning as part Ooh. of the punishment mechanic for the. Uh, you don't have you don't have to demonstrate that. That's fine. But you can also use Arzamani very aggressively. You can use Arzamani to simulate all sorts. Of, if you're not comfortable with it, Alex, I'll do it. Yep. <laughs> What what kind of aggressive? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's it's so. <laughs> it, it evokes a particular feel, right? Wow, I'm really jealous. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for the people at home. Uh, Excuse me, I have to go iron my dog. So I want to I want to jump. There's another mechanic I really want to talk about, and we're running out of time. Do we take it? Arzamani, get, go. There's um, instructional videos on YouTube. Uh, they're work safe. Plenty okay. of them. Yeah, um, go look at them. But there's lots of other ones that LARPers are using besides Arzamandi. Yeah. Anyway, if you go, if you go ask a LARPer about Arzamandi and they don't look at you and go, uh, "What?" They'll probably give you a pretty good explanation. <laughs> uh, but if we're gonna only talk about one other mechanic, can you give something that you think would be appropriate for beginners who've never done anything? Oh of God, no, that's no, no, no. Can, can, can you, you do, the, can you do the feather in the, the feather? Well, I, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's where I was going. Yeah, so I, I cannot have a panel in sex RPGs that does not shill the fact that there is going to be a lot that is happening this April, and signups are open right now until it's March twenty third. Sorry, August. Sorry, August seventh to the twelfth in Minnesota called Just a Little Love. It's amazing. one of the most transformative games around sex that I have ever, ever, ever... Well, transformative games all together. It takes place in the the elevator pitch? Yeah, it takes place in the 1980s in the three years of the rise of the AIDS epidemic, and it is about the New York community and how the epidemic pulled them together and tore them apart. It is a a very emotional game. It's a five-day-long game, which has a full day of workshops before and a full day of debrief after. Um, It is... um, I played it last a couple of years ago in Denmark, and it is phenomenal. And one of the core mechanics in Just a Little Loving, because of course it is about the AIDS, it is about the gay scene in uh, New York in 1981. Uh, it starts in 1981 before the epidemic was on the rise, and so there's lots of sexual engagement and liberation, gay liberation that was happening. And uh, they have this method. Well, they have a method that's like extended, and it is the pink feather method, which connects to the phallus technique. Um, and basically, it is a elongated, very elaborate, and very explicit sexual mechanic that is also a very consent-driven mechanic. And so, basically, in the course of a game, 
if my character uh, wanted to have sex with Alex's character, uh, did, whether or not it was actually... Wait, whoa, whoa, I get to demonstrate this. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if, if Alex's character wanted to have sex with Jax's character, even if it wasn't explicitly on the table yet, we don't have the props for it. That's okay. It was a pink feather that you could find anywhere. They were all over the place. Everywhere. They, I mean, they were stuck in your clothes for months afterwards. Um, uh, you would offer, Alex would offer Jax a pink feather, even if I wasn't saying, do you want to have sex with me? So we could just, our characters would be saying like, hey, it's Tuesday yeah, night. I don't know, this, yeah. ca- this party kind of sucks. I'm thinking of getting out of here. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and what that means sure, is a proposition. Yeah, so when that feather comes up, Jax can ignore the feather altogether. Yeah, like I, case, I could hold it right here and be like, I don't know, I'm thinking of getting out of here. Oh. And in which case, it's not an in-character um, I'm get rejection. It's just that I don't really feel like doing that right now. In which case, Alex would just put the feather back in her pocket and continue on with the scene. If Jax, though, decided she was down, the voice DTF, uh, she could pull that feather. And then the next thing that would happen, they, they would kind of gracefully resolve this part of the scene and would excuse themselves from the play area altogether. And this is where the consent base comes in. And they would go off the ga- in the off-game area and they would have a quick conversation that was like that established three things. Where are we going to be when we do this? What's the tone of the game that we're going to do this with? And what is the, how do we know that the scene is over when it happens? So I'm thinking kind of like my character is like super, super into your character. Okay. And your character is kind of like, eh, you know. Right. Does that... Yeah, no, I like I like that. Like okay. it's it's sort of like a slow build. So okay. like, and we'll be like in one of the bathroom stalls. Yeah. Okay, great. So and you, uh, I'm thinking like you you sort of want my character to be on top, but that's not yeah. really working. So you are sort of forced yeah. to take the top role, and then that works out exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, and we'll know that it's over. Um, uh, when I'll do this. And okay. Then, and, yeah. And see no, that's game. great. Okay, great. And then they would enter back into the game space, go to the place, and resume where they were, and transition to the place where they agreed to have sex. And then they would have a sex. Uh, they would have sex using the phallus technique. And this Can I grab your uh, water bottle? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to have to grab it out. <laughs> Sorry, that was fascinating, but I think we're, we're over. Oh, <laughs> leave them wanting more. We're over time. There's dicks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jason. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you very um, much. Yes, let's give a round of applause for our boys. Thank you, everyone. Amazing. Yes, very good. Let me call out to Emily Kerboss, who we hope is recovering really well. Hi, Emily. Hi, Emily. <laughs> and yeah, thank you, all right, thank you all for coming. Um, That's totally awesome.